Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the University of Findlay Student Activities Board is inviting campus and community members alike to join in the mission to let every absolutely incredible kid know how absolutely incredible they really are. Also this morning, roughly one in every five cars, trucks, and SUVs on the road today have open recalls that have not been addressed, which is why NHTSA has designated this as Vehicle Safety Recalls Week. And in our community and business spotlight, the United Way of Hancock County is marking the 10th anniversary of their Home Hunger Initiative in the community. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. If you're looking for a reason to celebrate today, not only is it Amerigo Vespucci Day, honoring the uh, explorer who, the great Italian explorer of the Age of Discovery for whom America, the Americas, are named, it is also Barbie Day. (laughs) The Barbie doll first introduced on this day in 1959. It's a happy Barbie Day to you. It is False Teeth Day, Get Over It Day, National Meatball Day, and it is Panic Day. Is this? <laughs> They're a little bit late on that. I think we've all uh, uh, been panicking already with everything going on in the world, gas prices and all of that. Lots of reasons to panic today, so no shortage of that. Some of the uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Still no agreement between Major League Baseball and the Players Union. They have been negotiating into the wee hours uh, for the past couple of days, but still no deal to end the lockout and avoid more regular season games being canceled. This is why this is getting serious right now. A new poll suggests that the damage is already being done uh, among baseball fans. This is a, a poll from the L.A. Times. They find 60% of fans already say, well, let's put this, try that again, back up. 60% of people in the poll say that they weren't baseball fans already. And of those that said they were, 60% said the lockout has caused them to lose interest in the baseball season this year. So already, uh, 6 out of 10 in this uh in this poll, three and five say they were not baseball fans to start with. And so when you're only starting with two out of five people being fans to begin with, you can't afford to lose two, uh, four out of, uh, what is it, six out of ten of those. Does that make sense? Uh, so uh, anyway, no matter when an agreement is reached, one-third of those self-described baseball fans said in the poll that they would probably buy fewer tickets, watch fewer games on TV, and buy less merchandise than they otherwise would have. Not what baseball needs. And again, you're coming off pandemic years. You had uh, the couple of years ago, the season, there were no fans in the stands at all. So you're making virtually no money outside of TV money, but no concession money, no parking money, no stadium, no ticket sales, uh, none of that. And now here we go where 
you know, one third of fans say they are already turned off to this season by what has transpired thus far. About half of fans blame owners and players equally for the lockout. 31% blame the owners the most and 12% blame the players the most. The LA Times noted that this is not the first time baseball has faced a crisis like this after the player strike in 1994-95 led to the cancellation of the 94 World Series uh, and delayed the start of the season the next year. Average per-game attendance did not recover for a decade until 2006. And, of course, that was an era where baseball had a whole different set of problems, came to be known as the steroids era. And so that was kind of a black eye uh, for the league, so Major League Baseball in you know could potentially be in real trouble with. I mean, if the uh, results of this poll uh, can be believed, now I don't know if this was a scientific poll, how scientific this was, but uh, it certainly indicates trouble ahead, more trouble ahead for Major League Baseball, even if and when they get this thing settled. So. Other uh, interesting stories among the first things that you need to know this morning, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. It's never too early to start thinking about presidential politics. And President Biden has said he will run for a second term. He's said that in in that many words. He said he will run. But of course, uh, his age will almost certainly be a factor that voters will consider. And that could be a significant drag on his re-election prospects and of course his popularity is uh, in the toilet right now vice president kamala harris's poll ratings not much better uh although obviously it's time for all of this to change however looking ahead to the 2024 presidential race democratic prospects are uncertain that is the point and um beyond the president and vice president other prospective candidates are rather thin right now but thomas elias columnist in california has a different idea he suggests that california governor gavin newsom could be a winning presidential candidate for democrats in 2024 and apparently this is this uh, piece uh, that was uh, written and i'm not sure where uh, this was published whether this was uh, in one of the major california papers or whether this was a uh, post online that is gaining traction but apparently it is causing some stir among democrats especially in california uh thomas elias now remember uh, i'm not sure if this is necessarily if this guy is on the right track or not because remember uh gavin newsom was so was uh, the uh, uh, subject of recall election even in california Uh, even in california that is one of the most liberal states uh, in the union they were ready to, many people were ready to recall Governor Newsom. He ultimately survived, but uh, it wasn't as, well, there were a lot of folks who were surprised that there was a recall of Gavin Newsom to begin with, and then uh, he didn't survive by the widest of margins. So I'm not sure, of course, we're talking 2024, you can recover from that. But uh, anyway... Oh, here it is. It was in the, uh, published in the Palm Springs Desert Sun newspaper. Uh, Thomas Elias writes, uh, Newsom stands alone as about the only politician who could change Democrat situation for the 2024 
race. He says uh, he would come into the Democratic primary season with a major base of California support that guarantees him a respectable number of delegates at the nominating convention. Plus, he is now a seasoned campaigner performing in a relaxed and confident manner when threatened with the with the recall and bringing that up. The question is if Newsom wants to be president. But uh, Mr. Elias predicts the bottom line. If Newsom is the most the Democrats have, he will run and likely run strongly. So uh, never too early to start thinking about uh, presidential politics. I'm not necessarily sold, but that is the uh, buzz in the party. So whether or not you are a Democrat or Republican, it's always good to know what's going on within the parties, you know. Um, you know, one of the stories that has been talked about over and over and over in the news the past several years are issues of, uh, human rights, civil rights, that kind of thing, the rights that we have as individuals. Linguists at MIT analyzed thousands of legal contracts and compared them to other types of texts, and they find that lawyers have a habit of frequently inserting long definitions in the middle of sentences. They call it center embedding. And they say it makes the text of a legal document much more difficult for the average Joe to understand. They also found the use of unnecessary jargon, legal jargon, also makes reading legal documents uh, unnecessarily difficult. Eric Martinez, lead researcher on this for MIT, says making legal language more straightforward um, would help people understand their rights better. That's why this is kind of tied into uh, current events, because we talk about human rights, legal rights, civil rights, the the rights of people. And uh, his argument is that we don't understand our rights. People don't understand the rights that they have and you know, the flip side of that coin, the obligations they have to one another as well as they should simply because the language in legal documents in the law is not as straightforward as it could be. He said uh, making lang- legal language more straightforward would uh, help people understand their rights and obligations better and therefore be less susceptible to being unnecessarily punished or not being able to benefit from the rights uh, into which they are entitled. Kind of interesting. Um, again, I don't know at the end of the day if it's necessarily going to make any difference, but I thought it was a, an interesting uh, theory there. So, again, just pulling out the uh, stories that uh, jumped out at me uh, here uh, among the uh, most buzzworthy uh, stories of the day. Did you hear about this in Oregon? A federal judge has issued a preliminary injunction blocking the state's ban on what are known as real estate love letters. And if you've ever bought or sold a property, maybe you've heard of this. Uh, it's a, a personal note that is sent by a prospective home buyer to the people who are selling their homes. They're often sent as a way to appeal to a seller to accept what may be a less competitive offer. And uh, Oregon, this is why you should sell your house to me. And I know you can might be able to get more money if you were to sell it to somebody else, but I really want your house and now, you know, take care of it. And and uh, it will be, you know, our family's forever home. And is you know what I'm talking about, right? This is the love letters uh, between uh, home buyers and home sellers. And uh, Oregon lawmakers banned them first of this year 
because they say whether intentionally or not, uh, sellers could be influenced to make a decision based on race, national origin, marital or family status, or other protected classes, which could theoretically open a home seller up to a lawsuit. Uh, U.S. District Judge Marco Hernandez said the goal of the legislation was laudable, but the law violates the First Amendment by restricting free speech too broadly. So uh, the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation challenged the law and hailed the ruling saying uh, it preserves the opportunity of home buyers to speak freely to sellers and make the case why their purchase offers should win out. So we'll see. Uh, this is not, and they note that uh, state and federal laws already prohibit housing discrimination and so on and so forth. But that is an interesting uh, story there. Again, as hot as the real estate market has been, uh, it is really particularly uh, interesting. So here you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your... Uh, Wednesday morning started here. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy early today, but some sunshine in the afternoon, a high of 47. Partly cloudy tonight, a low around 30. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office will be purchasing a new armored vehicle to replace their current one that dates back to the early 80s. Lieutenant Mark Price says the new armored vehicle will be very valuable in any scenario involving officer safety, like a barricaded subject with a gun or an officer down situation. Let's say if we'd happen to have an uh, officer injured, this type of apparatus could get us close enough to, to rescue that downed officer or deputy and then make a safe approach uh, to get that officer back to safety or seek uh, medical treatment. The type of armored tactical vehicle the county has decided to purchase comes with a price tag of $250,000. The purchase will be made with federal funds from the American Rescue Plan. Get more on the website. Governor DeWine says he's not in favor of a bill in the Ohio Senate that would pause the state's gas tax increase for five years. The governor says the revenue generated from the tax is needed to fund highway safety projects, including recently announced improvements to the bridge between Cincinnati and northern Kentucky. The governor and lawmakers battled over the gas tax in 2019, with DeWine wanting an 18-cent a gallon increase. Eventually, a compromise was reached on a 10.5-cent increase. The alcohol poisoning death of a fraternity pledge at BGSU a year ago has brought about new anti-hazing policies. The university has hired a hazing prevention coordinator and made it easier for students to alert the school about hazing. The school says that has resulted in more hazing reports. Ohio also has a new state law that created tougher criminal penalties for hazing. Bowling Green spent four months developing a plan to address anti-hazing efforts following the death of Stone Folds last March. He was found unconscious by a roommate after an alleged hazing ritual. Dave James, Elmwood News. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources is preparing to stock 71 of the state's lakes and ponds with around 80,000 catchable rainbow trout. The ODNR says it'll begin releasing the fish on March 15th and continue stocking across the state through May. Some locations feature a special event on the day of the scheduled release, including youth-only fishing. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. 
Now our cover story this morning happening around town. The University of Findlay Student Activities Board is inviting campus and community members alike to join in their mission to let every absolutely incredible kid know how absolutely incredible they really are. It is a uh, big to-do happening uh, tomorrow. Sharinda Welton is uh, with us from the University of Findlay Student Activities Board. And uh, this is something you've done actually a number of years now. This is a it an is, annual yes. event. This, but, uh, the students adopted it probably about 17 or 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then as the board, they get to review each year what they're going to do programming-wise for the next year. Mm-hmm. And this is something they annually see the the importance of and and host it if uh, folks remember we were talking about this in the news uh, yesterday and the uh, chair of the committee that's setting all of this up yeah. unfortunately she wasn't able to uh, to be here she's in uh, early she's an education she's major, an education right? major so she's and out at van buren this morning actually, uh, doing her job yeah so, <laughs> learning her job uh, yeah so she wasn't able to be with us uh, but it was interesting i thought uh, the uh, story that she was sharing about mm-hmm. how this really touched her when she Correct. sent these letters out and then the response that she got. Correct. So. Yes. Um, Morgan Kuhlman is the chair this year and she was also last year. And uh, she uh, works with a couple different volunteer organizations here in the community working with children and tutoring them. And she chose to write letters just encouraging them acknowledging that they were making progress mm-hmm. and she didn't think anything of it except to encourage them and she was receiving thank you notes back from fa- families and parents saying you don't know what a big difference this has made in our our child's life yeah. that you're acknowledging and noticing in writing and so it really touched her and that is that story is so familiar because uh, when you talk to anyone who has participated in an absolutely incredible kid day uh, that's the point to write a letter and again a physical a tangible letter physical letter that yes. they can hold in their hands yes. and uh, keep forever mm-hmm. and many do they do uh, it it really does make a difference mm-hmm. I would imagine that uh, especially for a lot of the students that light goes on it does it does we had a student years ago and she was a mom and uh she was continuing her education and she chose to write a letter and she and i happened to be working at the event at the time and she just mentioned to me i'm not sure how much this is going to impact him because he had special uh challenges that they were working through with his learning and things and uh she sent the letter to him and he didn't say anything when she read it to him, but he folded it up and put it in his back pocket. And every night when they were getting ready to take his jeans off to get him ready for bed, he'd pull it out of his back pocket. He carried it with him everywhere. Hmm. And she came back with tears in her eyes saying, yeah. "I it was a connection I didn't know I was going to make with him in, yeah. in a way that he understood and that, now that is a story of a mom uh, writing, writing a letter to her, her own child. Son, yes. But it does not have to be no. your own child or even a relative. Correct. Uh, sometimes maybe even the more powerful messages are the ones from just random people in the community. Correct. Yes. And so we are partnering up. Typically, we partner up with uh, boys. Uh, no <laughs> campfire campfire usa yeah. here locally and they have clubhouses but due to covid we haven't been able to connect and and do that so mm-hmm. this year we're working with um reading united northview the run program and uh, so we took out 
little sheets uh, that say all about me and Morgan designed these Mm -hmm. and they're fill in the blanks. So the child gives us their first name, how old they are, what grade they're in, what their favorite color is, what Mm -hmm. they like to do. So then our students or community members can come by and we'll have these in little see-through slicks in a binder and Mm -hmm. you'll read through and choose one and then you can write a letter of encouragement but and and acknowledging how incredible they are but they're giving you information so you can connect and then we provide sample letters also that will be at the tables because sometimes, sometimes it's intimidating tough, yeah yes, that's the tough yes. thing you see sit there with a and blank piece of paper all and kinds of fun shiny and glittery and <laughs> character stickers and markers and colored pencils and crayons and some students are very artistic and they see that and that triggers well, I'll draw them a picture telling mm-hmm. them how incredible they are. So, but yes, it can be coaches. It can be, uh, um, uh, scout leaders. It can be Sunday school teachers, mm-hmm. I- anybody that has a child in their life, yeah. or maybe you have a child that's in college and you want or, to remind them how incredible they are. <laughs> sure, Go for absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, or it can be a total stranger, but maybe something about that all about me connects, connects. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, there's an activity that, mm-hmm. that yes. you were involved in At that or age. a challenge that you uh, can, assimilate with correct or, or whatever or you what you wanted to be at yeah. that age you're yeah. now going to college to be yeah. and so yeah. keep your dream alive yeah there's lots of really cool stories and and this isn't a pen pal situation so when you sign off uh, it, it's your first name and then what you do for a living or mm-hmm. your first name and what country you're from or your first name so it's one more connecting point so they know you're a real human on the other side of that paper but yeah. it's not a requirement of need yeah. to go back and forth and back and forth you mentioned uh covid kind of throwing a monkey wrench yeah. in the past couple of a uh, couple of years and that maybe even underscores the need for this that even much more. more you're correct yeah. yes especially even with um the, the the kiddos that are maybe in your neighborhood that mm-hmm. you you've missed seeing yeah so glad to see you back out playing so right. glad you know there are so many things we can celebrate with these letters mm-hmm. so yeah now as we mentioned uh this is uh, one of the many activities the student activities board but it is uh, not just for the campus community it's for the community greater community as, correct as a whole yeah Give us the details. This is happening tomorrow. Tomorrow in the Alumni Memorial Union. Okay. Uh, there is no longer a mask requirement on campus, so mm-hmm. you do not have to be masked to come. If you wish to still wear a mask, we invite that. That's fine. Um, and there is no fee to participate. We'll have all the supplies there. It's 11 a.m. to... My phone went dead. <laughs> it went to sleep. 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Got to okay. get that right. 11 to 3. And it's going to be in the Alumni Memorial Union in the atrium space, as well as the Fireside Lounge. We'll have tables set up, and everything will be spread out and waiting. I know that the last time this was open to the community, we had a mom come in, and she wrote uh, letters to all of her kids, and then wrote letters to special all about me kids and mm. and she was there for about an hour we have kids music playing disney music playing and it's just <laughs> a fun time to come in and celebrate someone else relax and enjoy. And again, you can come in at any point in any that point. time. You don't have to have mm-hmm. an appointment. Stop you don't and have drop. To say, drop yeah. Yep, drop Just by, drop stop, in. and use your creative juices for a few minutes. And then the letters themselves, you take care of getting to the... Yeah, funny thing is, there's a Miss Frizzle in town. 
And so she went yesterday and she's going today with these all about me letter or forms and the kids get to hang out with Miss Frizzle, fill these out. And then Miss Frizzle gets to make special deliveries next week to deliver the to hand deliver the letters. So, yeah. So, again, this is happening tomorrow at the Alumni Memorial Union from 11 to 3. 11 to 3. And if there are questions, 419-434-4606 is the office number for. 419-434-4606. We also have more information on our webpage at goodmornings.net. Encourage everyone to uh, join in the fun and the mission of, as we said, letting every absolutely incredible kid, because they're all absolutely incredible kids, know how just uh, absolutely incredible they really are. Again, uh, Sharinda Welton, the University of Finley Student Activities Board with us this morning. Thanks for dropping by. Thank you. Well, in case you weren't aware, this is Vehicle Safety Recalls Week. And according to Carfax, as of last fall, nearly 60 million cars in active use on U.S. highways currently have an open recall. That's roughly one out of every five cars, trucks, and SUVs on the road. Dr. Stephen Cliff is Deputy Administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And Stephen, just to kind of emphasize the the scope of this problem, uh, historically speaking, it's not just the the 60 million uh, open recalls that are out there. How many of those uh, are, are, are never... Uh, addressed, historically speaking, on average? Well, generally speaking, uh, there's a number of recalls that never get addressed as vehicles age. It's much more difficult to reach the vehicle owner. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I can say is that last year, we had 987 vehicle safety recalls that affected 22.8 million vehicles. Hmm. So each year, there's a number of uh, new recalls added. Of course, that was the most recalls in one year in NHTSA's history. But uh, there's certainly a number of vehicles out there that have safety-related issues that need to be addressed urgently. And you designate Vehicle Safety Recalls Week right around the time change for a reason. That's right. Every year we take this week uh, in March to focus on vehicle safety recalls ahead of daylight savings time. Uh, This is a time when, uh, uh, when people often think about safety uh, including changing the battery in their smoke detector. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also a chance to think about vehicle safety. And uh, if you go if you go to our website, put in your vehicle identification number, you can determine whether there's any recall related with your vehicle and uh, go get it fixed. We, we say when you change your clocks, you should check your VIN. And it is just as simple as that. That's uh, one of the great things uh, with the technology that we have now. It is very easy to find out if there is an open recall on our vehicle. And if we do find that there is one, how do we go about addressing that? If you find that there's a recall in your vehicle, you can uh, take it to the the dealer. Uh, That doesn't need to be the dealer where you purchase your vehicle, but any dealer that works on that make of vehicle and get it repaired for free no cost to the vehicle owner. Uh, I'd recommend calling ahead uh, and uh, making an appointment, um, but it's important to know that these are uh, these are remedies that uh, must be fixed by the manufacturer at no cost to the vehicle owner, even if you're not the original purchaser of that vehicle. 
And is there a statute of limitations, as it were, on vehicle recalls, either in terms of issuing them or when it comes to repairing them if a vehicle is so many years old? Uh, once a recall has been issued, uh, generally speaking, uh, the vehicle owner should be able to get it fixed. Uh, as, as vehicles age, that may get more challenging uh, if parts aren't available. But um, generally speaking, unless a vehicle is very, very old, there should be no issue getting your recall repaired. So uh, again, just a reminder, uh, emphasizing the point to check all of the VIN numbers of your vehicles, regardless of age, uh, for uh, recalls, because it does uh, occasionally happen that there are older models uh, that will be subject to new recalls. That's right. And it's not just cars. It can also be tires, trailers, and car seats or other equipment that might be recalled. So uh, it's really a chance to go learn if you if you have anything that might be potentially subject to recall uh, to learn whether it's safe to continue to use that uh, or whether there's a repair that needs to be fixed. It's a good point that there are safety uh, related recalls and then there are other uh, functional or convenience uh, uh, types of uh, uh, defects or things that uh, need to be fixed. Not everything is immediately a safety recall, but obviously um where with all of them uh, getting these things fixed uh, make our roads safer overall. Well, everything that is a recall, uh, that's a safety recall, is a safety issue. And uh, I think uh, rather than trying to make that determination whether it's uh, important to get it fixed or not, I, I really just urge everyone to go get it fixed. Yeah. It's easy and it's free. Uh, and uh, it's required by the manufacturer to get it fixed. Uh, certainly a good point. You know, the other question that I wanted to ask with respect to this is obviously recalls happen because incidents are reported uh, to NHTSA, to, uh, uh, to the government. So how, do, how would someone go about filing a complaint or a concern about a vehicle issue? If you go to our website, you can actually file a complaint directly on our website, or uh, you can call our uh, safety hotline at 888-327-4236. Again, that's 888-327-4236, and file a complaint. We actually use that information as the basis for many of our recalls. Uh, we check vehicle owner complaints uh uh, and um, follow up on those whenever there's uh, some sort of issue. And generally speaking, those form the basis of any uh, recall that ultimately is issued. So uh, something very important to note as well, we all can play a part in making our roads safer. Again, Dr. Stephen Cliff, Deputy Administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, with everything you need to know for Vehicle Safety Recalls Week. And uh, you mentioned the website where folks can uh, file a complaint, check the VIN numbers on their vehicles. Where, to, where do we find you online? If you go to nitsa.gov slash recalls, that's N-H-T-S-A dot gov slash recalls you can put in your VIN there or uh, find information about how to file a complaint you can also download the safer car app from the android or iphone app store uh, on the safer car app you can uh, do the same uh, put in your VIN, and it will alert you if there are any uh, safety recalls associated with your vehicle it will also proactively alert you if a safety recall pops up in the future once you've recorded your VIN there. Very handy indeed. And, of course, we will link up to that on our webpage as always. Dr. Cliff, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
Thanks for having me, Chris. I really appreciate it. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Sometimes it's the rescuer that needs rescuing. A 17-year-old boy scaled a tree at an Indiana park to rescue a cat he saw up in the branches on Saturday afternoon. Rescuers say he climbed 35 feet into the tree at Holiday Park before realizing he wouldn't be able to make it down. (laughs) The uh, Indianapolis Fire Department was called in, said the boy's positioning did not allow the same ease for getting down as he got up. (laughs) He discovered firsthand what the cat was going through. They had to use a rope system to lower the boy to uh, safely to the ground. Uh, the whole process took about two hours. He was stuck up there. The teen was checked out by medics and released to his parents with just a few scrapes. And here's the kicker. The cat was still in the tree. <laughs> uh, on Monday, it was revealed that the cat's owner ended up hiring a private company to retrieve her pet. He climbed all the way, 35 feet into the air, had to be rescued by the fire department, and he never did rescue the cat. That's... I mean, and the fire department didn't rescue the cat? I mean, they rescued the kid. Why didn't they rescue the cat, too? I don't know. Maybe the cat was even further up. I don't know. But, uh... And he's 17 years old. You would think that he would know better. But, uh... Anyway. It all has a happy ending in the in the end. <clears throat> I don't mean to be alarmist, but an ancient rock said to contain an evil demon has cracked open. (laughs) This is in Japan, where this uh, ancient rock is known as the Killing Stone. That is a nice cheery name, and it has split in two. Legend has it that the volcanic rock is the home to the nine-tailed fox known as Temomon nome, and that those who come in contact with the rock will die. Now, this is not what we need. <laughs> the state of the world today, this is not uh, what we need. The killing stone contain- containing an evil demon has cracked open. <laughs> uh, now that the rock is split, um, oh, folklore also says the rock continually spews out poisonous gas as if containing an evil demon isn't enough. Now that the rock has split, some are nervous to visit the tourist hotspot where it sits in the mountains of Tachigi. Um, I think is how you pronounce it. J- uh, Japanese officials or Tachigi? I don't know. Uh, Japanese officials are still trying to decide what to do with the rock, and some on social media are expressing their fears about what the split could mean. It is thought that uh, rainwater may have gotten inside the rock and caused the damage. Or the demon just decided it was time it was time to come out. State of the world today. It's a bit frightening. <laughs> Not what we need. The demon rock has split open. Not that I'm trying to be alarmist or anything, but a Georgia man has been sentenced to 36 months in prison and charged an uh, $85,000 restitution fee <laughs> for using his federal COVID-19 relief funds for his business to buy a rare Pokemon card. 
Vinef Odismin, I think is how you pronounce it, of Dublin, Georgia, claimed that he needed federal stimulus assistance to prop up an entertainment services business with 10 employees. After reviewing his application, the SBA granted $85,000 in funds back in August of 2020. Prosecutors, though, say he then used nearly 58000 of those dollars to buy a rare Pokemon card at an online auction. <laughs> the, the hustling collector eventually admitted to the deception, and in addition to serving prison time, he has been ordered to hand over the card. <laughs> like moths to a flame, fraudsters took advantage of these programs to line their own pockets, according to the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Georgia. And with our law enforcement partners, we are holding him and others accountable for their greed. <laughs> of all the things to use stimulus uh, or, or uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic relief funds on, of all the things, a Pokemon card, really? For 58 grand? Yeah. Got to have something out of Florida. Have a couple of things out of Florida, as a matter of fact. Uh, item number one, a Florida teacher facing a misdemeanor charge over allegations that she bit two students. Kathy Toro is the aunt of one of the kids and tells local news reporters that... Uh, uh, Rhonda Rice should do some jail time. She says her nephew and another student were working at the Bar uh, Bartow Middle School store. Now, apparently, the school has a has a store in it. When the teacher <laughs> tried to pilfer a jar of pickles, and that's when it all went down. The pair tried to take the jar back, but then they claimed that Ms. Rice bit them. All over a jar of pickles. <laughs> Ms. Rice, the school says Ms. Rice has been reassigned and claims she was just playing around and didn't bite them. She licked them. Oh, well, that's so much better. Uh, she is set for arraignment and charges, misdemeanor charges, at the end of this month. She has been reassigned. <laughs> I would hope so. And also from the Sunshine State, they take Stupidity to a new level sometimes. A search is underway for a man who was seen on video stealing a flag from a Florida home. This is in Ormond Beach. Police tweeted out the uh, security video uh, to uh, help in the search, which shows a naked man standing near the edge of the home's porch holding an American flag to cover his private parts. <laughs> Why? Why? Why would a naked man... Steal an, an American. Why would you steal an American flag and then to do so while naked? I mean, when do you wake up in the morning and think this is a good idea? This is. I think I'll go steal an American flag while naked. Anyone with information about the man is asked to call police. I don't know what possesses you to do something like that. That's. You wake up one morning and say, hey, this is. This would be a good way to kill a few hours. It's been. Some time, waste some time of the day. There you go. Uh, that, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, 
of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN, your year-round home for exciting sports play-by-play coverage. Finlay Trojan and Ohio State football and basketball. The Cleveland Guardians, Blue Jackets hockey, and the NFL regular season, postseason, and Super Bowl. The star-studded Los Angeles Rams are a hit. They have won Super Bowl 56 in dramatic come-from-behind fashion. The best in live sports coverage happens here. 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. And this is a really interesting uh, stat from uh, this survey. Uh, Recently, a lending club survey found that nearly two thirds of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck today. That's uh, higher than even just three or four months ago, back at the beginning of the year. Uh, you can cite inflation, uh, what, have, what have you, but two-thirds of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. And that includes more than half of Americans making over $100,000 a year. So you would think that Americans of all ages would be uh, pinching every penny, wouldn't you? But a separate survey finds that checking in on their finances is one of the last things on the minds of millennials these days. They asked 2,000 millennials about their money management habits, and what they found was that these young adults spend nearly 150 more hours a year scrolling through social media than monitoring their bank accounts. And that's not the only activity they seem to prioritize ahead of their finances or lack thereof. Uh, They are also more likely to play with their pets or search for a new TV show to stream than they are to check in on their money on a weekly basis. In fact, being on top of their finances, believe it or not, came in dead last on a list of activities that millennials spend time doing. So it's not just social media, it's playing with their pets, watching TV, searching for new shows to stream. Even checking on their finances even came in behind deciding what's for dinner and caring for their plants. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Angela Dabosky is with us once again from the United Way of Hancock County. And Angela, I know we've already talked about you know, wrapping up the campaign, uh, disbursement of those, uh, of those funds. But what are the, the numbers from the past year? Kind of put a recap on all of that for us. Fantastic. So we were able to raise uh, $1.7 million that we are able to put back into the community. And we combine that with even outside grants that we bring into the community Mm -hmm. um, and then disperse it to programs that need it in the areas of safety, food security, housing, um, different vulnerable populations, vulnerable children within our community. And obviously, uh, the bulk of that uh, goes to those partner agencies and partner programs and so on. But also a number of initiatives, maybe the, the one that is best known is the Halt Hunger Initiative, which this year marks its 10th anniversary. It does. And so for the last 10 years, we have developed programs to kind of best meet the community's needs in different ways. So, um, you know, if your emergency need is uh, I need to go and get a a box of food for my family right away, then we have um, a food bank and food pantries that you can go visit. Um, There's uh, Hot Meals 
um, program that we do, mm-hmm. not to mention the Feed a Child program that takes weekend meals to kids uh, in need. And uh, most folks don't realize that um, two out of five kids in our community qualify for free and reduced lunch. Yeah. So that means when they're in school, they have the capability of eating. But what happens on those weekends? Right. And these meals, these backpack meals are, are to help sustain children over that weekend until they get back to school in those hot meals. So we talk about all of these ways in which the Halt Hunger Initiative is addressing food insecurity in this community. And being that it is the 10th anniversary, how much of an impact has that really made? And when you look back, uh, and obviously you weren't here when this started, but you have the data to look at what what kind of a difference this has actually made in the community. Right. Um, the Community Gardens Program, for instance, um, they put enough fresh produce back. We were uh, doing some calculations. If you were to go from um, the county courthouse to the hospital down Main Street and back, they've they've made enough produce donations mm. to be able to go all the way to the hospital and back. So wow. that, I mean, that's a lot of produce if you think about it over 10 years. Yeah. Um, also had a story that happened during COVID that I think is a great example. Um, a mom... Uh, a working mom that has never needed assistance before mm-hmm. uh, called into our office and said, I'm suddenly unemployed. I have two children. Um, I've never been in this situation. What do I do? Yeah. And so we were able to help her and direct her towards a food pantry that she could go to that day. But then at the same time, we were pointing towards those more sustainable resources to help her get through. You know, here is how you apply for assistance from Jobs and Family Services. Here's unemployment. Here's how you get to SNAP benefits. What else can we help you with to sustain you in order to get back on your feet and keep your family moving? And that is really the ultimate goal of not just the Halt Hunger Initiative, but uh, a lot of the uh, initiatives and the programs uh, that you are involved in within the community is, is to provide that emergency need and then transition to a more sustainable solution for people. It is. And so um, that's what our donors ask us to do is to really just fill those gaps, whether it's whether it's in the safety arena, whether it's in um, stabilizing families or whether it's in the food. And again, the Halt Hunger Initiative is maybe the most uh, visible, the most well-known of those programs. What are some of the other ways uh, in which you do similar things to address other needs within the community? Um one of the ways that we help other with other needs is through our volunteer center. So um, just I'm going to point back towards the, the food thing for just a second, but um, we're able to do about thousands of hours in those 10 years of people giving their time. Sometimes they go as a family to be able to volunteer and say, here, kids, you know, you may be OK right now, but you never know. Um, when we'll be in a situation of need. And so it helps to develop eyes to be able to see um, and care for the vulnerabilities of others. So um, uh, volunteerism is something that we do. Um, If you look in the area of safety or stable housing, you can look in those areas and Mm -hmm. see um, great progress in our community and helping somebody to be able to transition from one of the worst times in their life to getting the, themselves underneath of them, learning how to take care of the fi- their finances, and then getting um, assistance to be back on their feet and working and, and supporting their family on their own. Truly a hand up in the community it uh, is. is what it's all about. And uh, so, again, some of the uh, things that are going on in the United Way of Hancock County year-round, I know a lot of times people think of this as maybe the downtime in between the campaigns uh, from one year to the next, but always lots of things going on. Always. Again, uh, Angela Dabosky, the United Way of Hancock County with us this morning. Angela, thanks very much. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement. 
paid for by the featured sponsor. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media. Shoot us an email if there's something you want to share with us directly. And, of course, sign up for our daily email newsletter as well. It all starts goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, talk about how the Findlay-Hancock County Community Foundation is unlocking the heart and soul of the towns in which we live. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.